All right. You have probably uh, been asked, and you've probably answered the question, if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you want? You know, let's say you did have a superpower. I think the, the next question to ask is, for what purpose would you use that superpower? I think the stereotypical in front of the microphone answer would be, well, I'd use it for good. Possibly the follow-up question would be, well, for whose good? Would you use it for your good? America's good? Would you use your superpower for humanity's good or the world's good? And let's say it was for the world's good. Would it be for the good of those who are stuck in poverty? Would it be for the good of those who have abundance of wealth? Would it be for those who have no power or for those who already have tons of power? For what purpose would you use that superpower? Well, it turns out, for Christians, for followers of Christ, this is not just an icebreaker question. It turns out that if a person is a follower of Christ, they actually do have at least one superpower. We're going to talk about that this morning, and we'll be challenging ourselves with the questions of, will we use the superpower that is ours? And if we do use it, for what purpose are we called to use that particular superpower? All right, so our passage is going to be from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we've talked about uh, the church in Corinth before, that in this letter that Paul writes to the church, we discover that the church really struggled with a lot of division. There were people going, I'm for Paul, and other people going, I'm for Apollos, and there was division in the church. And so throughout the, the letter, Paul addresses that division. See, he also talks about marriage, and he talks about communion. And well, we get to our passage, our passage in chapter 12, and he's talking about gifts, spiritual gifts, and we're going to explore a little bit what he means by all that. Um, but again, he's talking about the body of Christ, of being together. Let's take a look at it. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. We'll put it on the screen. encourage you to have your Bible open with you. Hear the word of God. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. May God bless the reading of, of his word this morning. And may God also show his favor upon us as we come under his word today. All right, so here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the way and the why of your superpower. The way and the why of your superpower. Of course, it's your biblical superpower. And so the way has to do with that 
part of verse 7 that says, to each. To each is given. When we talk about the why, we'll look toward the end of verse 7. And at the end of verse 7, we find the words, uh, for the common good. So we'll divide our time in, into those two things. Let's begin with the way. To each is given. And when we think about the words, to each is given, what I would encourage us to do is to think partnership. There can be something that takes place, at least in our culture, we're such an individualistic culture that as soon as we hear to each, we can start all of a sudden saying, well, what's mine? What's mine? What, what does God give me? And it's all about what God has for me in that experience. But even the, the, the line, to each is given, we understand that there's a giver. And so we should know from the beginning that when we talk about these things, these super powers that we have through Christ, that it is a partnership. So when we come to it from a perspective of partnership, we find actually in the first couple of verses, we find this breakout. There's a set of varieties, and there's some things that are the same. So there are varieties of gifts, there are varieties of services, and there are varieties of workings or activities. I love the way Paul spells that out, that he's putting those, all three of those things out there at the same time. Oftentimes, our attention can go right to spiritual gifts, but he adds to that services, that these givings, these callings, it's not just a gift itself, but there's an opportunity to use that gift for service in this world. And he adds the idea of workings or activities, that that these are tasks to do. There is real work that God has for us. And on the other side, when we look at what is the same, he says and there, it's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. This is one of those wonderful little places in Scripture where we have data that supports the teaching of the Trinity. The Spirit, the Lord, God. The Spirit, the Lord, God giving the gifts to God's own people. And then we come to the bottom of that, it says, God, this, this Spirit, Lord God, this one God, it's the one who empowers them all in every one. It's a partnership. You, if you're a follower of Christ, you have gifts, services, and workings. It's what God does. God calls us in to his ministry in this world, and he empowers us in that ministry. Well, so then the question often comes up that, well, are we talking natural talents here? In fact, back in the 90s, it was all the rage in churches where they had spiritual gift inventories, and you sat down and you filled in little bubbles, and it was all based on what you had done before, right? Do you like doing this, and have you experienced at that, and what do other people compliment you on, and and so you would get a list of responses based on things you like and things you've done in the past. And a lot of those would be aligned with natural talents. It's what people tend to use in this world. They're natural talents. So what about supernatural talents? How does that work? When we talk about natural talents, we can talk about knowledge and skills and motivation and opportunity and authority. So if you're going to go and do something, and you have natural talents about it, that if you have the knowledge, and some level of knowledge, some level of skill, maybe it's a built-in skill, maybe there's a disposition that you have, 
Maybe you've gone through training and you've really worked your skills to a higher degree. And then you have a motivation and an opportunity and, and you have authority, you have the power to be able to do something, to move forward. So when we talk about supernatural and this partnership with God, what happens is that God comes and God puts His hand on top of our hand. We find that sometimes that when we talk about gifts or services or workings, it's simply God coming right on top of our natural talents and using those natural talents to do His work in this world. Now, there are times where God is going to come on top of us and come in us, and through His providential hand, through His provision, He's going to bring a a knowledge or a skill that we have never even contemplated before. So whether God is using our natural talents or some kind of something else, He touches it in such a way to where it becomes a superpower in this world. So we are called to think partnership in this world, in ministry. It's you plus God. All right, so then we move on to the rest of the passage, and we find that from verse 7 on down, we find this list of uh, different gifts and different services, different workings that God's people can be called uh, to be a part of. I'll, I'll put the list on, this, on the screen. These are the varied uh, manifestations of the Spirit. And this list is actually put together from, there are a set of passages in the New Testament maybe a couple in the old as well, that provide lists. One of the neat things about the various lists of gifts in the New Testament is that they don't all agree, which means that it's an open list, that it's not a definitive here are the only spiritual gifts, the only workings, the only services that God calls us into. It's broader than that. That's why we end the list with et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a variety of gifts And then we get down to verse 11, and it says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. If you have questions about particular gifts, we don't have time to cover that today. Um, uh, So you'll be able to jump into all those explorations in in the weeks to come. But this is the way. This is how it works. That as a follower of Christ, God comes upon you, and super intense. He brings his super power and so works in you and through you to affect his work in this world. All right, so that's all to set up some stories. I want to share some stories with you real quickly just to illustrate what this can look like. So there's a story of Oholiab and Bezalel in the Old Testament. Oholiab and Bezalel. If you know anyone expecting a child, we're trying to bring those two names back, okay? So Oholiab and Bezalel. Well, and maybe you recall reading about this in Exodus uh, chapter 31. Just listen to these few verses. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability 
that they may make all that I have commanded you. See, God had just provided for Moses. Listen, when you build the tabernacle, it needs to be an illustration to the people. And so it needs to have this, these pieces designed for it and, and, and the curtains designed for it so that the closer people get to me, they would understand it's a journey of holiness. And he gave them the design, and then he calls out that there are these people that God gifts. They may have had talents beforehand, but then God comes, and through his Spirit, he empowers those talents for supernatural purposes in this world. The story of Oholiab and Bezalel. Maybe that's a little bit of your story. Maybe you've been working your whole life, and you've been doing something. You're used to using your hands and, and your creativity and and God choosing to come for a very special reason to work in you and through you. Let me tell you a different story. This one happens to be uh, one that involves me. When I, when I first started out, so I was working as an engineer, I approached the college pastor in the church that Vicki and I were attending, and I asked for the opportunity, to, can I step out and see how God may have gifted me, and, and to see what services, what workings God might have for me. And the college pastor welcomed me into it. And so I stepped into a leadership role and I began to teach these college students. And we had a sizable college group. And back then, I, I had uh, these three books. I had a one-volume commentary. I had Strong's exhaustive concordance with every word in, of the Bible laid out as to where it is. And then I had Vine's dictionary. Of course, I had my scripture. And I used those four books, Scripture and the other three books, and I'd put together a lesson, and I'd go and teach these college people. And you think you have to suffer me today. Just, oh my gosh. But here's what happened. Yeah, I worked on skills, and, and I worked on knowledge, and I had motivation, and there was an opportunity given to me. But what I found to be tremendously amazing was that God providentially came and worked in and through me. There were things I was hearing back from students that there's no way I could accomplish that in their hearts. There were things taking place that weren't a direct result of Vine's Dictionary or Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. God, choosing some engineer in Southern California and then putting his hand upon him, in working in this world. Let me tell you another story. And I regret I do not remember the name of this woman. Somewhere along the way in ministry, this is early on in my ministry, I came across uh, this individual, and she was in her 70s, I believed, and her only real desire, her own real motivation was to get up every day and, and spend time with her grandkids except she had come to understand that God had gifted her with the gift of healing. She really didn't like healing ministry because it called her to travel quite far from home. She had discovered that in this country, people were not as receptive to it, that God was not providing that working through her in this country. And so she would go on these missionary tours, and God had gifted her. She was Presbyterian figure that. And God blessed her, not with one of her natural strengths, not just putting his hand on top of her hand, but as he came and worked in her and through her, he brought the gift itself. 
And she had a ministry of healing. And she could tell these amazing stories of what God had done in her and through her as she trusted in Him. Let me give you one more story. I happen to be involved in this one as well. This was uh, a couple of churches ago. and So it was in the Midwest. We're a Presbyterian church. And this woman shows up and begins attending our church. She begins a series of conversations with our senior pastor and reveals that she had been a member of the occult and that her life was just a living burden every single day. So the more that the conversations broke down some of the walls, it was discovered that there was just some, some real yuck living inside of her, some real yuck in opposition to God living inside of her. So we've formed together a team of five people. Again, we're a Presbyterian. So it was the senior pastor, myself, and then uh, three female lay leaders in our congregation. And we began to meet with this individual over the series of a number of meetings. And we did a little work. We, we did read about things. We wanted to get a little bit of knowledge. But here's what God did. The, the five of us never been down this road before. I've never been down the road since. But in that moment, for that woman, the eternal living God came upon the five of us and worked in us and through us. And this woman experienced a cleansing. The yuck that lived inside of her, that yuck came out and she was free. She hadn't known freedom for years and she was set free. The living God working in our midst through our super powers. Okay, so this is, this is the way. A variety of gifts. Sometimes they come for a little bit. Sometimes they're there for a whole lifetime. Sometimes they're, they're built on natural talent. Sometimes they're something out of this world altogether. So let's go on to the next part then, the why. And we have it in verse 7. It's for the common good. And here, I would encourage us, think responsibility. If you've received the love of Christ, if you've received the grace of Jesus Christ, and you're a follower of Christ, that comes with a responsibility. The God who, who gives gifts, and the God who gives services, and the God who gives workings calls all of us into ministry for the common good. Thankfully, Paul expounds on what the common good is uh, elsewhere in one of his writings. When he writes to the Ephesians, he describes the common good this way. It's a great description. We've read it in this room before. And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So those would be services and workings. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And get this, to equip the saints. That's to equip all of the followers for the work of ministry. It's not that those, those certain groups are the ones who do the ministry, but all of us do the ministry. Those are the ones that just happen to equip us. And here's what they do it for. For the building up the body of Christ. Until, this is the goal, listen to this, this is the picture. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature personhood and 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me give two examples then. One of the tables you're going to find in the fellowship hall is a table for children's ministries, for kids' ministries. And it could be as you're walking around and you're going, Lord, I don't want to have to do that. I did that before. You know, hopefully someone else stops at this table and or you might go by that table and go, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch these kids so their parents can enjoy being a part of a class themselves. Or What if we approach that? God, you want these kids to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. And God, that's a big calling. And I'm going to step forward, but God, I'm going to trust that you're going to give the gifts, that you're going to work through the talents, that you're going to be present, that you're going to do the work that I can't do. And that in faith, I can go forward, but God, I'm going to trust that you're the God who brings the superpower to help this classroom of kids, each kid in this classroom, grow into being that part of that body of Christ, to the full personhood to the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me give you a different example. So when you go through this network of tables and everything, you can actually make your way to the gym where there's a pickleball court set up. You can play pickleball this morning. You're going to get to have bacon on a stick, fruit on a stick, and play pickleball. I mean, that's a day right there. But we don't have pickleball ministry simply because we think we're a, a cruise ship. It's not about a cruise ship. It's not about, hey, let's come up with some fun things we can do with each other. We trust that through a ministry like Pickleball, that is we're there present, and we trust that God is coming with us, that God's going to work amazing things in our midst. Maybe it's a place where you feel more comfortable bringing a friend who's never followed Jesus. And you go, hey, come on, we play pickleball. Let's just build some friendship there. Maybe that's the place where, where you're going to be able to, to build trust with someone else that you'll be able to have deeper conversations with them so that as you build those friendships, you can find that they're redemptive friendships. In the midst of the friendships, the living God coming and touching other people through you for his own glory. It's for the common good that we might all grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's close with this. One last little story. And we've talked about this story before in this room too. So you guys know in John chapter 4, there's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And we don't have time for all the details, but, but we know this, that the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan, a female Samaritan, there's absolutely no reason for Jesus to speak to this person. He was a, a male Jew. Why would a male Jew have any time for a, a female Samaritan? In the culture of the time, that just didn't fit at all. Not only that, it was the off hour. Because of her lifestyle, she didn't come at the time that all the other people would come to get water at the well. And so here she is, this, this, this person that had to find her, her own time at the well. And Jesus 
interacts with her with value and, and caring and commitment. Well, something happens in the woman. God is moving. Of course, Jesus has, knows how to do that. He comes into this world with, with all of God's presence with them. I mean, this is God in the flesh, and, and he affects this ministry. But here's what the amazing piece is, that she goes back to her village, and she begins to tell the story. And get it, some of people struggled to believe her, given everything that they knew about her. But some said it's worth checking out. Here's this woman at the well, and she goes back into her village. And I believe God working in and through her. And people from her village come to get to ask questions of Jesus, and they begin to follow Christ. The woman at the well. God working in her and through her. Being a part of a church is never individualistic. Being a part of the church is to know that to each is given. There's a partnership the living God gives to each that we might then engage others for the common good. For the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your wonderful grand design that you indeed uh, work in us and through us. Lord, we admit that, gosh, a lot of us have uh, given ourselves reason and excuses to sit on the sidelines, uh, to make this life about how we can optimize our talents for our own ends. God, would you recorrect our, our thinking? Would you help us to know that we're in partnership with you? That Would you convict us? Would you reveal to us how you would use us? Even the decisions we make this morning to participate in ministries, would you use that time to clarify for us how you have gifted us for your glory? God, may we be open this year that you would use us for your own glory in any way you so desire to do so. Thanks, God. Thanks for your spirit. Thanks for your son in whom we have life. It's in his name we pray. Amen.